and Paul, Paul is pretty serious about dealing with these, um, these warnings to the church. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for loving us the way that you do. God, I thank you, Father, that we can look, we can see in spite of everything. God, I thank you that I can even look in disaster and still see three miracles walk out of it. God, I, I thank you, Father, I can look in the darkest nights and see your light shine through. God, I thank you that your word says we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we don't have to live in that valley or stay in that valley, but we walk through the valley sometimes. There's never a time that you're not holding our hand, God, and I thank you for it, God. Lord, I pray you'd take these prayer requests. You've heard each one. You know them by name. You know the specific needs, God, everything from skin cancer to lung cancer, God, to kidney problems, and Lord, all that exists, Father, breathing problems and, and lung issues. God, I pray you'd reach down and touch each one, God. You said you are Jehovah Rapha, that you are the Lord, our healer. It is your very character. It is your personality to heal, Father. And Lord, you said that if we'd come to you in prayer and ask, and we come on behalf of our brothers and sisters to make petition on their behalf, God, and ask you to give healing, Father, for these families that have lost loved ones, God, I pray your grace would surround them. Will you hold them up and give them strength, Father? God, I pray you'd be in the midst of us tonight, Lord. You use your word and teach us something, God. We have just a few minutes left, God. But it don't take you but just a minute to open this word and reveal something new to us and teach each one of us in this place something personal, God. And just as only your sweet Holy Spirit can do. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm obviously not going to get through this tonight because we do have a few minutes. I know I've got to let go because we've got the children over at the stadium to go pick up. But um, if you turn back in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we'll continue there. We're looking at the warnings that Paul issued to the New Testament church. He actually wrote them to the church at Corinth, but God put them in, the, in, in his word so that all of the New Testament church would have them last week. We looked at a warning against wicked wants, and we looked at a warning where Paul dealt with wicked worship. But this evening, we're going to continue on um, my, my computer Decided to show out and said I didn't have a word and it crashed so it messed up the way I usually print things out. So I may have to turn over here and read some. I couldn't copy and paste like I usually do. But um, I want to look this evening, evening at verse number 8 here in chapter 10. It says, Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. I told you last week I'm going to read these one at a time. I'm not going to read all through i just read each one as we deal with it the incident that paul is referring to here in verse number eight happens roughly 30 years after this golden calf incident that we dealt with last week as we looked at the false worship you you can be seated if you wanted to i'm going to we're going to cover verse number eight and then we'll read verse number nine in a minute and deal with it but what we have here is we have a whole new generation of people that has grown up um, many, if not most of those, 30 years after the golden calf incident, many, if not most of those have already died, and we'll cover that a little bit more in a minute. But what we have here is the children of Israel are still on their march towards the promised land. They're, they're wandering in the wilderness, but this new generation has some lessons to learn. Isn't that the way it is? In every generation, we all have to learn lessons. Now, I need to be over there preaching over there and preaching down there and be over at Callaway where they got all the youth tonight preaching this because, well, it wouldn't do any good. They preached it to us and we didn't listen to it either. We, we've all been through it. If we could just go back, if we could just know, if you just listen to the generation before you, oh, my goodness, it sure would have made some things easier. 
If we would just listen to what the generation before us tried to teach us and tried to tell us, but no, no, we, we had to learn things for ourselves. Anybody else in the house know what I'm talking about? I mean, none of y'all might not have never been 20 years old and knew everything about everything, but I'm pretty sure some of us can remember there was a time when we thought we knew something, and then the Lord let us live long enough to realize we wasn't just stupid then, we're still stupid. Oh, I ain't supposed to say that word, am I? There ain't no children's in here tonight. If it's a personal pronoun, can I use it? Still can't use it. Oh, well, at least the children's not here. But, but the truth is, it's the same with every generation. Everybody has to learn things. Now, the children, they've made it here to the borders of Moab. When they get to Moab, the king has, has set boundaries. He says, they're not coming here. I'm going to get rid of them. So the king of Moab, he goes to Balaam, and he tries to hire Balaam. He says, look, if you'll come and curse these people, I've heard what they've done. I know how God has blessed them. I know they'll overtake the land, and they'll, they'll have everything. I, listen, if you'll just come curse these people... You will be richly rewarded. Up to half the kingdom, I'm going to give you all your wildest dreams. I mean, this is going to be better than winning that lotto, right? How many of you got a lotto ticket? Tell the truth. Uh, I see a couple of hands. I see a whole bunch of probably storytellers. I'll be honest, it is, it is tempted the best of us, or the worst of us, I should say. Uh, that's just one place not ever put money. I can't understand there's over a billion dollars in there. That means we had to spend about $10 billion to get the pot to there because only a small portion goes into it. Everybody got there go, I, I heard you're more likely to get bit by a shark and struck by lightning in the same day than you are to win that. So go on and spend your money. One in 320 million. Now I'll tell you what, on the day I get bit by a shark and struck by lightning, the same day I'm buying a ticket. That, they, that, mean, that means I'm getting closer to the number. <clears throat> How in the world did I get in that? Oh, the rich rewards. The rich rewards. It's going to be better than winning the lottery. Man, my, I'm sorry, my squirrel cage. If you'll just curse these people. And, and so Balaam comes and, and he goes to curse the children of Israel and God blesses them. And, and he tries again and God blesses them four times. He attempts to curse the children of Israel four times. God blesses his children. Balak, king of Moab, comes and says, what are you doing, man? I mean, he's beside himself. I'm, I'm offering to pay you to curse these people, and you're blessing them beyond imagination. So Balaam devises this wicked plan. It became known as the doctrine of Balaam. He says, since we can't curse them, why don't we just corrupt them? It's obvious that you can't overcome them with your men. So why not use your women? Balaam had learned enough about God to know that if Israel was to become corrupted, then God himself would deal with his own people. So Balak, the king, he says, that's a good idea. I, I like it. He follows the advice. And Numbers chapter 25 tells us, beginning in verse number 1, that the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. They called the people unto the sacrifices of their God, and the people did eat and bow down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor. The worship of Baal is always accompanied by acts of immorality. More than likely, the women who went to these Men would have been prostitutes. They would have been 
one of a couple of things. They would either been paid by the king or they would have been summoned and ordered by the king. But they were sent in to mingle with the men of Israel to corrupt them. And that's what they did. God doesn't play around with judgment. You see, if you study that, the judgment became very, or came very quickly. We find that Moses ordered the judges to go out and to kill all of the men who had defiled themselves, the men of Israel. So what we find out in verse number 4 of Numbers chapter 25, the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. There's also a plague. God sent a plague that killed them. Now, the text says there in verse number 9, the number says those that died were 20 and 4,000. Now, we just read here in our text, Paul said that the number was 23,000. If you study the majority of the theologians would think the difference in the numbers is that Paul is dealing with those, the 23,000 died from the plague. Moses included the men that were killed and their head was hanged in the sun for what they did as a testimony against them, which means that number of men would have been 1,000, giving us the 24,000. But nonetheless, what we see is that adultery, fornication, and idol worship, that's what those things called when, when the women came and pulled them aside. Adultery, fornication, and idol worship. We see that those things are equally evil against God. God will not tolerate any of them among his children. So warning to the New Testament church, it, it is to be careful in your works. But then in verse number 9, we have another warning. Paul says, neither let us tempt Christ. And some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. The children of Israel had recently won this great battle over Arad. Um, you would have thought they would have been happy. This is towards the end of the journey in the wilderness. You would have thought they would have been in great joy because the wilderness wanderings is, is almost over. Their, their trek to the promised land is, is nearing its closure. And, and they should have been happy, wouldn't you think? In all this time, you would think there would be a people of joy, but yet what we see is that the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loathes this light bread. Sounds just like their parents, doesn't it? We, we looked at it last week. It was a sin for them to speak against the manna. It is a sin to speak against the provisions of God Almighty. God was feeding them daily, and they complained. And here we see the same thing in their children. We hear the same old complaints, the same old grumbling. Now, on the previous occasion, when it came to the parents, God was very gracious. If you remember, God took care of them, and even when they complained about the water, God gave them water. But this time, God sends a, a swift and an unannounced judgment in chapter 21 of verse number 6. It says, The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. They tempted Christ. That's what Paul says here in our text, talking about them. The word that he used for tempted is an intensive form of the word tempt. It means to put someone thoroughly to the test. 
It's the same kind of words as used when, when Satan carried Jesus up onto a pinnacle and, and told him, cast yourself off. He said, you know, it's written that the angels would bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. It was tempting him. It's using that same kind of tempt. Jesus replied with the scriptures. It's also written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. That's what this word here is talking about, tempt. It's the same word that Paul uses. Now, when Jesus used that, he's referring to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 16. But chapter 6 and verse 16 of Deuteronomy was referring back um, to the book of Exodus chapter 17 when the children of Israel complained about the bread and the water. That is tempting God. It is a sin to complain against the blessings of God. It is a sin to test God's patience. It is a sin to attempt to put God's grace to the test. It is a sin to see how far can I go. Just how long will God let me get away with it? Well, I'm really enjoying it and God's not stopping it. So it is a, it is a sin to test the long-suffering and the patience of God. One thing that's better about these people, at least they came to Moses and said, we've sinned against the Lord. Amen. That's got to be your first step. Recognize your mistake and fix it. We've sinned against the Lord. Pray ye unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. Verse number 7 of Numbers chapter 21. Moses was told to make a serpent out of brass, place it on a stick so all the people could clearly see it. And everybody that looked upon the serpent would be saved. They, they would not die from their snake bite. Now, you remember three or four weeks ago, we looked at types of the Old Testament, how things in the Old Testament were types of something in the New Testament. This serpent, this brass on a stick, is a type of the crucifixion. It is a type of what, matter of fact, if you remember in John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he made a comment about it. As Moses lifted the serpent high in the wilderness, remember? Every man that looked upon that serpent would not die. Jesus Christ was high and lifted up to all of us today that live in this wilderness that we're in. But to everybody that looks upon the Lord Jesus Christ, to everybody that looks upon the face of Jesus and trusted him, we will not die because of the serpent bite. Amen? People were suffering death because of their sins. It is a type, a picture of the crucifixion. If they look at this serpent, then they would not die. Now, just like you and I were suffering because of what happened involving the serpent back in the garden. And we would die from that thing that happened. But if we look upon Jesus, it gives us life. Yeah, that, that ought to be an amen. amen. Notice one, one thing. I didn't study this a lot in depth. I just couldn't help but notice that God didn't take away the serpent. Nor did he take away the bite of the serpent. He simply took away the sting of death. The world we live in, the life we live in, what we focus. My computer is contagious. Got my tongue. The, the things that, that we face in this life, the challenges, God hasn't taken away the serpent. The serpent of old, Revelation still calls him serpent. The devil, God didn't take that away, nor did he take away the bite. Nor did he take away the pain of the bite. But he did take away the sting of death. There, there is life. 
Paul is telling the church here at Corinth, along as really us and all of the New Testament church, that in their pride they have abused the gift of God and they have abused the grace of God. To sin willfully after you've been saved is to test the patience of God. And that's what he's talking about in this tempt. They, they tempted God. Remember, Paul's still dealing with them on the issues um, issues of idolatry and, and the adultery and all the things that they've come from. Remember, the majority of these are new converts. They, they grew up in this town. Idolatry is all around them. So they kind of grew up that this stuff is okay. Their parents did it, everything around them. They're having to learn. No, it is a sin. It is a sin against God. Anything outside of the things of God, it doesn't matter if you grew up doing it or not. It was a sin then. You're just saved now. But you cannot go back to doing the things before your salvation. That's what Paul is dealing with here. You cannot go back to the things of your past. You must focus on the things of God. Stay away from the things that had you separated from God. You don't want to go back to the things that had you separated from God in the first place. Verse number 10 here in our text says, Neither murmur ye. I'll, I'll try just a little bit more, and, and we'll have to stop for this evening. But it says, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. The word for murmur is to say things in a low tone. Anybody know anything about murmuring? Husbands and wives know something about murmuring. You say it in a low tone so you don't get busted in the back of the head. Oh, I mean murmuring is to say things in a, in a low tone. The word for destroy that he uses here is the same word that's used in Hebrews chapter 11 when it's talk about the destroyer that came and killed all the firstborn back in Egypt. This is the only other time that we find this word in all the New Testament. All murmuring is rooted in unbelief. All murmuring against any of the things of God is an expression of denial against the goodness of God himself. You and I have no right to murmur. Everything that we have is a gift from God. If you have it, it is because God allowed you to have it. Therefore, it is a gift from God. And you have no right to murmur. If you do not have it, it is because God does not want you to have it at this time. And you still have no right to murmur because you have what he gave you. And he gave you what he wants you to have. I told y'all we'd need this in short doses anyway. You can't take for so much this at one time. The children of Israel are murmuring. They're, they're, you think about the children of Israel. They were murmuring before they even got the dust of Egypt off their sandals. They didn't even get to the Red Sea. They were already murmuring. They saw the armies of Egypt coming after them. They started murmuring. They haven't even gotten out of the shadow of the buildings of Egypt, and they're already murmuring. The reason they're wandering in the wilderness is because of their sin. The reason they're wandering in the wilderness is because of their murmuring and because of their complaining. When they, when they reached Marah, they found bitter water, and they murmured. When they came to Rephidim, they found no water, they murmured. While they were eating the bread of heaven, we looked at last week, while they were eating manna, angels' food, they complained about what God himself was giving them. When the spies were sent into the promised land, the, ten spies, the 12 spies, they went in and looked, and, and they saw, they came back and said, The land truly is a land. 
flowing with milk and honey. They brought back samples of the giant clusters of grapes and pomegranates. And they saw the goodness of God. They saw the promised land. They saw what was over there. But because ten of the spies said, there's giants in the land, the people murmured and complained. And even though they could see the goodness, even though they could see the provisions, even though they could see the excellence of the promised land where God told them to go, they murmured and they said, we're just going to go back to Egypt. That was the most serious complaint of all. God said, fine. I've shown you the promised land. You've seen what's in it. I've brought you to here. And you don't trust me enough to deliver it. None of you will enter my promised land. 20 years old and up will die in the wilderness. Think about this. Think about this. When when you get ready to murmur and complain about anything, think about this. For 40 years, they should have been in the promised land. For 40 years, they should have been eating those grapes and those pomegranates. They should have been in the land flowing with milk and honey. They should have had their own place for 40 years. They should have been living in the best place that God was taking them to, the best that land had to offer for 40 years. They should have been living in that. But for 40 years, because of their murmuring, because of their complaining, they went from place to place to place to place to place in the wilderness, and they left their bones scattered all over the wilderness. They were there in the first place because of their murmuring, and they died there because of their murmuring. Anybody want to complain right now? Anybody got something you don't like right now? You want to, anybody want to complain about the music in the church? It's all good. Yes, yeah, about what I write about now. It's all good, ain't it? That, that, that's what Paul is dealing with. That's what Paul is dealing with with the church here at Corinth, and that is what the New Testament church is dealing with today, murmuring. Complaining, You know what murmuring and complaining is a result of? You think this is about you. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm speaking to the Sunday morning crowd right now. They, they think this is about them. I, I know it wouldn't have anything to do with this on a Wednesday night. But, but people think the music has to be to, to their forte. Everything has to be about them. The sermon has to be to their length. We have to start at the right time, stop at the right time. Everything has to be made about self. If you have anything to murmur and complain about, number one, you're murmuring against God and God alone. Number two, you're murmuring against the things he put there. Number three, if you weren't worried about self, you wouldn't be murmuring. If it was about God, you wouldn't be complaining. That's what Paul's dealing with with the church at Corinth. And the reason God put 1 Corinthians in there and put that letter is because he knew the New Testament church of 2018 and 552 Hammett Road and all the rest of them around us would deal with the same thing. To murmur is to complain against what God has given you. Even if you're going through a tough time, it's just that God's teaching you something. Every trial has a reason. Every test becomes your testimony. God has a purpose so you wouldn't be there. Amen? Well, I don't have time. I don't have time to go any further tonight because I was going to let y'all go one minute ago, and we're not going to go until we pray.